everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Input 2 Bites Movie Podcast. And today is a super special episode for two reasons. The less important reason is, well, Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day and eat lots of chocolate and treat yourself. But more importantly, I have a super special guest. She's the Witch of the Wavelength, and she was at one time Bites Features Editor, Podcast Editor, and Creative Director. And most importantly, she's a very good friend of mine. Today I have with me... Daily Wilhelm, who feels really <laughs> special right now. Oh She's my god. So special. And it is we've been trying to podcast for a while now, so this is gonna be awesome. But yeah, Daily, tell us a little about you really quickly. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be back. I used to podcast at least three days out of the week, and it was a really good time. Um I hosted the Coven at one point. Um I've now moved on to I, I won't say greener. But they're definitely a different shade of pastures. Um, I'm in grad school now. I'm out in the great state of Washington in Seattle doing a program at U of W. And uh, I I write more video game stuff on SVG.com. If you ever want to check that out, you can't stop me from writing about video games, apparently. And we've tried. Like, yeah, there's there's been, yeah, there's been uh, petitions and everything, but you can't stop. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. So what are we going to talk about today, Daily? So since it's Valentine's Day <laughs> and uh, we're going to destroy romance as we know it, um, naturally by talking about romance movies that are usually framed as being very idealistic like this is what you want to happen yeah i think idealistic is the best word also like escapist it's just it's not real (laughs) in any sense of the word yeah realism isn't part of the equation here but that's also what's appealing yeah even though surprisingly two of the movies we'll be talking about are based on true stories that is true because apparently that's just what women like I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, one is definitely better than the other, but we'll get to that. So today we're going to talk about three movies and two I think we can agree on we are not too keen on. Is yes, that fair? definitely. And, and one is good. So let's actually reveal those movies. We're going to talk about The Vow uh, <laughs> with Channing Tatum and The Notebook because it's the greatest love story of all time, apparently. And the actually kind of great one that I like anyway is The Big Sick. Yes, yes. I Man, I'll, I'll have, when we talk about it, a story, but like I tried to make my parents watch it mm-hmm. and I had very mixed reactions to The Big Sick, even though Ooh. I know for a fact that they're both fans of the prior two movies. So maybe maybe it's a generational thing that we'll have to discuss. This is it. See, that's a, like foreshadowing. This is exciting. <laughs> But we can't just get into the thing that's actually kind of enjoyable to watch. We have to start, you know, with the trash. Okay, so let's talk about The Vow first. So really quickly, just a little bit about The Vow. It was released in 2012. It's directed by Michael Susi, and he really hasn't done anything. I, I did check. The only film I saw that he did was Every Day, and that was released in 2018. And then he did, like, two TV movies. So Yeah, I can't can't say i've heard of every day me neither so i don't know uh the film did badly amongst critics (laughs) uh i think that's generous it got a 31 percent critic rating on rotten tomatoes but it does have a 63 audience rating so Hmm. i don't know i I tend to think that critical scores are a little harsher Yeah, yeah, I definitely think there's people that are just like, oh, it was great, I didn't fall asleep, so it's fine. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if you're going to see a romance movie, you might just turn your brain off, which is fine. Like, yeah, no judgment here. No no critical thinking needed. Well, we are going to think critically today. So but before we can do that daily, why don't you tell us a little bit about the film? Okay, so <laughs> I have so many problems with The Vow. But I definitely see, yeah, (laughs) could you believe it? I definitely see where this could be a very romantic movie for some people. Interestingly enough, it is based somewhat in reality, but there are very clear liberties taken. So The Vow has us with beautiful couple, Rachel McAdams and Channing Tatum, Paige and Leo, and their personalities are... Leo is Channing Tatum. Yep. Um, of course. That's, 
Yeah, yeah. He he's into music and um Rachel McAdams Paige is an artist and they're very it's set in Chicago um and they're very like it just struck me so much as like mid 2000s like hipsters yes yeah like that's that's kind of the romance that they have they get married at the art institute which you're not supposed to do I guess I don't yeah they Um, didn't like have it like reserved they get chased out during their wedding because apparently that's charming yeah like just at your wedding like running from security probably be being put on like a do not admit anymore list so what a dream yeah a dream and then they they uh have their big uh romantic kiss under our dear friend tt's favorite monument (laughs) the bean (laughs) in chicago uh this is a side note. Uh, our creative director, TT wrote a feature about her experience going viral because she made a meme about the bean. So you should go on the Byte website and check it out. Yeah, seriously. It's <laughs> fantastic. But um, they had their romantic moment there. But all is, all is not well in paradise, as idyllic as everything seems, because this is this is all prefaced by they get in a terrible car accident <laughs> can um, we can we can really quickly can uh can we talk about when rachel mcadams goes flying through <laughs> like when she crashes she goes flying through the glass window and it's like slow motion and it's the worst thing i've ever seen it's really bad they did not put a lot of the budget toward <laughs> special effects i just had it, to <laughs> it seemed excessive too for like the tone that they were trying to do yeah it it didn't it seemed out of place it made a it lot a of comedy. things seemed out of place though yeah there's just like you know one of those tracks in the background as she's flying through the air but um and this happened because of the most romantic reason possible is that she unbuckled her seatbelt in order to lean over and kiss her husband leo <laughs> isn't that a bummer <laughs> Please stay seated and seat buckled, what if this even was just... if you're feeling very romantic. <laughs> what if this is just like an elaborate PSA? Oh my gosh, time. the whole movie. <laughs> because, because then you might get, you know, amnesia and forget the previous 18 months, which is the entire span of their romance. Um, she and that's exactly what happens to Rachel McAdams. So. Yeah, she she forgets everything. She wakes up. She doesn't recognize Leo. She's very confused. She didn't live in Chicago before, like in the city, in the city. She was previously going to law school. Very different career from artist. And she was engaged to <gasps> this guy. Jeremy. Who is, un- who is yeah, who is unfortunately <laughs> named Jeremy. Um <laughs> Emily is engaged to a guy named Jeremy, but this this Jeremy from the vow is is definitely not Emily's Jeremy. He's he's kinda a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk. He's like snobby rich kid. And that's kind of who we see was Paige before. Like she her parents have money. They got money. Yes. And she's essentially rebelled from their their vision of what her life was going to be in the 18 months that she you know went and to live in the city started going to the art institute and met and fell in love with leo who has never met her parents isn't that bizarre like it feels like he doesn't know her yeah it's it's i i want to get to this too because you could very easily remix the vow as a horror movie yes like a psychological thriller yeah like it's a it really is kind of a movie well from one angle you have like the family manipulating their daughter to like mold her into what they want her to be because they think that they can when she's had the accident and doesn't remember who she is so it's like they right. they pretend they can like erase everything they didn't like about her and everything she didn't like about them so you have that angle and then you have Channing Tatum I, it's hard because they're trying to paint him as like sympathetic and in a normal situation, it would be, but he goes like stalker mode and obsessive mode about it, which drives yeah. her away, understandably. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, like, you wake up and this guy's like, no, I'm your husband. And it's <laughs> right? like, um, I do not remember you whatsoever. And no one in my life remembers you. No one in my life that's important to me, my parents, my friends have met you. Mm-hmm. So, 
you're gonna have some questions <laughs> just a few and just he, a few he, he he like it's he doesn't take her into consideration he puts all of his feelings before her own and even his friends call him out on this as he's trying to like make her fall in love with him all over again the smallest little thing they bond over he's like yeah we're in love again and his friends are like whoa dude that might have been like a re- like reaffirming of your marriage to you but for her that was like a first good date and like he yeah. just can't like he doesn't care he doesn't think about the situation she's in he's only worried about how it affects him that's a lot of pressure to put on someone who was in a very traumatic accident it's it's not <laughs> Why cool. don't you love me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's hard because i see where that would be like really emotionally tearing for him like this person that's become you know his wife a huge part of his life you know his the love of his life as he's convinced himself just doesn't remember anything about him but instead of like giving her space he's like i loved the scene where she keeps looking back at her fiance that she had before at jeremy (laughs) right and he's like but it's like you know like your favorite book and you lend it to a friend and you wish that you could like read that book all over again and fall in love with it all over again that's that's what we have right now And it's like, for you, maybe, but she doesn't, like, know you. She doesn't know who you are. Like, this is, if anything, like, a bonus for you. Right. Yeah. It it seemed very, very selfish. Yeah. Very creepy. (laughs) The first time I saw this, I got roped into seeing it in theaters because I was at a friend's house sleeping over, and they were like, let's go see a movie, you know? And the family was going to see The Vow. And I was like, you know, whatever, fine. And I just... I just could not see the romantic aspect of it. I don't feel like we grew to know these characters at all, so I didn't have a connection to them. I didn't Mm-mm. feel like they had any chemistry at all. No. Like, they just... No. Like, we're supposed to believe they love each other because they have sex? Yeah, they... He he stood in the rain and brought her cold medicine that clearly he's going to need because he's going to catch a cold in the rain. Like, their whole meet-cute is like the weirdest thing I've ever watched. It sounds like a horror story that I've read on like Let's Not Meet on Reddit. Because it's like she's in line. It's like a parking thing. She's like in line and then he like follows her out and admittedly he's doing a good deed. And he's Mm -hmm. also wearing a fedora. Keep in mind that he's wearing a fedora (laughs) this entire time, by the way. Nice guy. Yeah. uh, He is like, oh, you forgot your parking pass. And she's like, oh, thanks so much. And it's like, you move on from there, right? No. He's like, so... I noticed that uh, you go to the Art Institute. I just saw that on your car, and I'm totally not doing that in a stalkery way. And I'm pretty sure he says something like, not in a stalkery way, but it's like, but it is. But you are. Because you're now, like, noticing things about her. And instead of, like, a normal woman, or at least what I imagine the normal reaction would be, is saying, like, okay, and, like, shutting it down and leaving, she's, like, intrigued. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, let's continue this conversation that you're just like, I noticed that we park in the same space. And anyway, let's go get a drink. And she's like, yeah, okay, locks her car and leaves with this stranger. Yeah, it's really unrealistic, I think is the best way to say it. They're already like by the time they get to like the cafe that becomes their cafe, they're like already super cozy. Like she like puts on his fedora and like (laughs) he feeds her chocolate. And it's like, what? Like I understand like some people do like click instantly, Mm -hmm. but that was just weird. That was really weird to me. Now, Daily, you used the phrase meet cute. And I want you to elaborate on it because that is a genre convention of the romantic comedy and maybe listeners don't know what that is. Right. So the meet cute, it's it's a cute meeting. There's always, you know, no one can just be like, oh, I remember you from this class that we both took together or we go to the same grocery. It has to be like, oh, we run into each other and spill our papers everywhere. And as we're like gathering together, like our eyes meet and sparks fly or whatever. Or, you know, very convoluted um, things that could happen in order for, like, two people to meet. There's even, like, a joke that I love about it in Gravity Falls 
where um, Seuss meets his future girlfriend because she's working at a stand in the mall that's called Meat Cute and it sells like hot dogs. I never noticed that. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. Now I'm watching Gravity Falls all over. Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) I can't think of one romantic comedy that doesn't have a meat cute. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really bad one too. Yeah. I, I I was about to say like, the big sick does it better, but it doesn't. It no. does. It's kind of unrealistic in what happens, or at least I could never imagine myself in that situation. Me neither. But I, I guess the idea is that because it can't happen in real life, that's where the romance starts. I don't know. It's like, oh, I don't amazing. know. I feel like they could be charming, but they always come off as just like kind of like weird and creepy. Yeah. And that definitely yeah. is the case in The Vow. It's just uncomfortably quick and awkward and just again i think like the no chemistry is a big deal like they just don't it's a click. big deal do you know they, the, the entire movie channing tatum does not emote at all he really doesn't like he does this like very these various like you know uh narrations that are very deep and you know speak to the way that he wrote his vows because that's the whole thing is that they they stayed together because of these amazing vows that they wrote together and she's like oh wow if if this is how i felt then maybe i really need to consider you know this guy that i don't know right (laughs) um but even even with like him saying very deep and poetic things his face doesn't move. He gets the most I felt for him is when he adopts a cat because of his loneliness. Like there's a cat in the um, alleyway and he like picks it up and brings it in. And it's very, very cute. But that's about it. That's the best meat cute in the vow. Yeah, I, I, the entire movie is just not good. I think it's fair to say it's very yeah. contrived. It's boring. Isn't the crazy like it's crazy to me then that this is and maybe an explanation not to like be mean to real life people but that it's based on a real story yeah let's get into that a little bit because when i was digging um what i feel like when they say based on they mean like uh they heard about it and then made a completely different story off of the like most basic aspect so they i read the headline they read the headline <laughs> <laughs> so i I found this information from two sources and one was the UM News and that's like a church website from what I can gather and they did an interview. It's called The Vow, A Real Love Story of Faith by Kathy Gilbert and then the other source is from HuffPost. It's Cricket and Kim Carpenter, a couple who inspired The Vow, talk about love that endures by Lynn Okra. So that's where this is coming from. So the two people that uh, Channing and um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Not MacArthur, not McCarthyism. I don't know why I'm going. It's McCarthy. Rachel McAdams. Thank you. (laughs) Everything but McAdams are based off of Kim and Cricket Carpenter. And they got married in 1993. And it was only less than 10 weeks after they wed that they had the near fatal car accident. Cricket spent months in a coma and then months more in physical therapy. And she lost 18 months of her memory. Uh, The marriage was strained, to say the least. There are a lot of times where, you know, she, she didn't remember him at all. So, like, she was scared and she'd be like, I hate you, you know, um... And it's understandable because it's a traumatic experience. But they did fall in love all over and they renewed their vows and had a second wedding in 1996. And they released a book in 2000 called The Vow. Hey. But of course, uh, what what didn't happen was most of the movie. There's nothing to confirm, like, the whole thing with the family manipulating. Yeah. It was... It's just they had to add a lot more to make it more dramatic, which is interesting because mm-hmm. I think the real story is pretty dramatic. Right. Yeah. I, it makes me wonder, like, what parts of it that they were like, this isn't the right kind of drama. Like, it would be too sad. I think that's what it was coming from. Like, it would be too sad to see them, like, struggle so much because I can imagine... Um, you know, the physical toll after an accident like that, too. What must be really frustrating is not having agency. Right. And having this person like, no, I'm your husband. I'm taking care of you. And it's like, I don't know you, but I can't do it. Like, I can't walk away physically because I can't walk right now. Like, that'd be scary. That's that's another one of like the horror remix. But yeah, having read these interviews 
And I mean, it might just be like the 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 Methodist blog kind of clouding it. It almost seems like one of the reasons they stayed together was because it was like the way they even framed it is like, well, we took these vows, so yeah, you kind of have to deal with it. I definitely also got that vibe. And while we obviously can't confirm that, um, it it does seem like there was a lot more strain than what was even conveyed in the movie. And they did try to convey the strain because obviously she does leave him at one point and begin to pursue what she thinks is her life. Uh, that she had before, even though it wasn't. She hasn't acted the way that she acts after the accident since, like, she did in high school. She acts like a high schooler, because that's what she remembers. Um, But here, the real-life horror, as he keeps saying, is, like, what isn't shown in the movie. Like, the really big fights, the fear she must have felt. Uh, Can't imagine how hard it was for him, too. Like, yeah. Like, it's a no-win situation. Like... No one, like, I can definitely empathize with Leo slash Kim in, you know, like, you have that emotional connection and to just have that suddenly severed, but still have that person in front of you, like, that's going to be confusing. Yeah. And hard to deal with. But I think the biggest thing, and we'll get into this in what was done right in The Big Sick, is like respecting that yeah and giving people time and not because like even in the vow they did address that it's like he really wanted her to be page that he knew the artist etc but it's like there's so much more to her life even the parts that like she wasn't happy with like going to law school and her family etc and it's like you you need to accept that part too Mm mm-hmm so him just projecting like this is who Paige is you're not my page you need to become my page again and it's like that's i don't know who i am at any one moment so like don't don't ask that of me there's a lot of layers to this story layers <laughs> and before stinky we move- stinky layers stinky <laughs> like layers. an onion before we move on to the notebook because we have two other films. I do want to end the section with a quote by Kim, um, the act- you know, the actual husband that the story is based off of, regarding his thoughts on the movie. He said, We enjoyed the movie, but we were a little frustrated by the artistic license they took. The dramatization in the movie was much greater, but it is hard to put 20 years of challenges into 103 minutes. So I guess that's fair, but it feels like more like they created their own story and really didn't use a lot of the real world issues that would have surfaced. So yeah, especially like the whole like, oh, it's going to be fixed. No problem. But it's like, no, there's like 20 more years of struggles like this has far reaching impacts. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a movie. Oh, well, it was a movie. But you know what also is a movie? The Notebook. It sure is. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna also, ruffle. We're gonna ruffle some feathers with this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just. First of all, I can't. I can't do Nicholas Sparks. Me neither. I. I'm glad that era there was like a Nicholas Sparks movie adaptation coming out every single year, yep. and they were all the same level of like white people embracing on the cover, and sad but not super sad story and I was just I was about ready for that to be done but it did eventually wrap up which was nice eventually eventually (laughs) it was weird um well the notebook released in 2004 uh the movie anyway this is based off of Nicholas Sparks book of the same name and the book was actually based on his wife's grandparents who spent over 60 years together uh so it it also has kind of this real world connection but also not really like there's a lot there's a lot of liberties it, it to me it sounded like because i got this information from nicholas sparks website it sounds like he literally was just like oh they're in love and then he wrote okay. a story i mean that's probably for the best because that'd be weird for him to write about his wife's grandparents like having sex and stuff yeah oh no strange. why'd you put that in my head you're welcome <laughs> oh man well, the movie was directed by Nick Cassavetes. I know I butchered that. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Nick, or fans of the movie. That's my best guess. And the film received nominations. Nominations, not actual awards. Uh, it won 
18's Choice Awards, and I don't call that a real award, so sorry. Uh, That's fair. It won a Satellite Award and the MTV Movie Award. I mean, when I say it didn't win awards, I mean, this is not like an Oscar picture. Yeah. I mean, from the way that The Notebook is talked about, I was surprised to see that it hadn't won, like, an Academy Award or something. Yeah, when this movie came out, I, as a kid, I thought this was, like, an award-winning, like, huge blockbuster film by the way everyone was talking about it. Yeah, it was, like, the next Titanic. Yeah, and I think it really did borrow a lot from the Titanic. Yeah, (laughs) it really did. (laughs) That's all I could think about while watching it, actually. It's like, what if this took place on a boat? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Critically, it, it did better than The Vow, so there's that. The Val got a 31% critical score. This got 53. So we're, we're getting up there, right? We're, we're moving yeah, up. Yeah, we're improving. It even has a higher audience score of 85. So, you know, 53 isn't a great score, but at least it's half as opposed to like 30. Most critics were like, yes, it's okay. It's a movie. It's okay. <laughs> it's a movie. People are acting. It's interesting because... I dislike this movie more than The Vow. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I don't I don't like either of them at all. I just, you know, I watched this last night just to, like, you know, get it back in my head. I hadn't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you what happened. I, I just, I kept zoning out. I, I remember parts, and it's just like, I think about it, and I'm like, that was nothing. Nothing happened. Yeah. The, the setting is what sticks with me the most. And that's that's the one credit I will give Nicholas Sparks. Like the only thing I ever remember from his movies is like the setting, because it's usually like on a beach in the south somewhere, and it's very pretty. That's it. Yeah, he directed. Did he direct um, Dear John? I mean, not direct. Yeah, that was, he made. But yeah, that's that's a Nicholas Sparks and um, the one with Miley Cyrus before yeah. everything happened. I forgot. And I forgot all about that. I forgot yeah. she even acted. She, yeah, that was a thing. It was definitely a thing at <laughs> one point or another. But um, was this, this was our first, this was kind of a Ryan Gosling's start, isn't it? Or was he in something before that? He might have been in really something good. before, but I think this was the first like big one. Yeah, you remember him for sure. This is where I first saw his name, but I was also a kid when this came out, so I mean, it's hard to say. And you know who else is in this movie? Rachel McAdams. You know, I have to ask, is is she okay? Like, do they just have, <laughs> like, is she, is she like, oh, is she just like tied up somewhere for whenever someone needs a romantic lead? I mean, she is gorgeous. She is. And... I don't think that she's a bad actress at all. No. But she is definitely being typecast as a very specific kind of romantic interest. Interestingly, though, we almost had a very different movie if we didn't have Rachel McAdams because different people who auditioned for the role of Allie include Jessica Biel, which, okay, Britney Spears is a little different, um, Ashley Judd, and Reese Witherspoon. Okay, but where's Britney Spears? I, I feel like I've been cheated because I in 2004, I was a major Britney Spears fan. So I think my enjoyment would have been highly improved. I mean, I feel like we'd have just a different universe. <laughs> this I cannot imagine. Brit- real talk, I cannot imagine Britney Spears in this role at all. No, has she? Like, I don't even know if she's been in a movie. Like, I can name movies that Rihanna is in, but I can't name movies that Britney Spears is in. I've never heard of her acting. Her sister acts, but yeah, what? I I guess she was just popular, and they're like, "You're a girl. Come be in this movie. (laughs) We're gonna have this man fall in love with you." (laughs) Yeah, you know, we should probably talk about what the movie's about. (laughs) I mean, we just did. This man is going to fall in love with you. I actually, yeah. What what else can we say about it? (laughs) That's it. That's it. No, but there's more. There's more. (laughs) Do Do you wanna Do you wanna weave this tale, or shall I? Do you wanna read from the notebook, and I'll be the the I'll have Alzheimer's. (laughs) Okay, I'll try my best. Like I said, I zoned out. So there's this guy, Noah, and... In the movie, she's Allie. Thank you, Allie. Allison. And he meets her at a carnival. And it's really weird because she's, like, playing bumper cars. And he asks his buddy, like, yo, who's that? And he goes right up to her afterwards. She's with a group. And he's like, want to dance with me? And she's like, no. 
So she gets on the Ferris wheel and, you know, instead of being a normal person and taking the hint that she's not interested, he climbs, he climbs into the Ferris wheel as it like hits the ground, as their seat is in the ground. Um, and he climbs into the seat with Rachel McAdams' character and this other guy she's with. And then like it stops at the top and he hangs himself like he climbs on the outside of the Ferris wheel and threatens to die basically if she doesn't go on a date with him. So he like guilt her into dating him. And this Which is just framed. terrifying. It is. And this is framed as completely romantic. It's like, oh, he tried really hard. Yeah. For me. And it's it's just I a don't wild, know who he is. It's a wild ride from the beginning. So he finds her and follows her again and he keeps he just keeps pestering her to go on a date and finally she does and their first date is like he's like come lay on the ground in the middle of the road with me. Yeah. This is in this is in the 40s by the way. So like the grounds I mean the grounds never been clean but for some reason i imagine it'd be like worse in the 40s just because everyone's smoking the cars are driving down dirt roads etc it's not romantic in the road with me yeah and like it's bizarre like there's a movie theater you could go to like anywhere i know you didn't have a game boy back then but come on um so they play chicken with a car and then she laughs hysterically and suddenly she's into him and they start this romance it's a lot of imagery of them having sex and making out i guess that's all we need to know they're in love they actually bicker quite a bit um but finally uh her parents are like you can't date him anymore because he's not worthy of you yeah because he's he's poor and she's an heiress of something yeah she's 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 gonna inherit money someday so she can't marry a poor man he won't know what to do with that it was um yeah not convincing no so noah breaks up with her and it's because he he doesn't want to like stifle her you know i guess she moves away and then she gets engaged to this dude who's also rich and bougie they're doing fine it looks like they were like together for years yeah they were happy it looked like i don't know yeah lawn his name is Lon. Maybe that's the problem. It's James Marsden. He's he's a good-looking guy. I like to believe it really is his name. Like they had a better like meeting too. They had a better meet cute. They did. Than she and Noah did because she was um you know, World War World War 2 happened and um she volunteered as a nurse in a hospital for injured soldiers and he was like in a full body cast. Like this guy was beat up and he's like a captain or something like that he's he has like a rank maybe lieutenant i don't know but um and you know she nurses him back to health and i think that's a better story than this guy threatened me with suicide if i didn't go out with him (laughs) what you don't want a man to threaten to die if you don't say yes to his advances not my definition of romance i guess i'm just weird like that (laughs) freak they're like they're really doing fine uh but she sees noah's house burns down i think that's what happened um that's what happened right like like yeah like her his dad sold the house so that he could go buy her old house and refurbish it to all the specifications that like when they like almost had sex in the dirty floor of this house um she was like oh i'd love to have this and i'd love to have this in this house and so he's like i'm gonna make it just like how she wanted it and maybe she'll come back because he's he's held out hope like he's gone through a whole ass war and just been like probably we're gonna get back together at some point because he he did the most romantic part of the notebook I could see as romance is he wrote to her every day for a year and her mom like intercepted every single letter yeah but I I find that a little weird because they'd broken up yeah I guess in modern context it would be like someone you know calling or texting you every day for a year that would be really creepy but it's not like harmful so yeah, I guess it's fine. And she obviously wanted it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
but she but her mom was like no you're not going to want it you're going to not read his letters and you're going to go volunteer at the um hospital and fall in love with a perfectly fine young man and he is he's a perfectly fine young man i like he's my favorite character did i on a note did i completely like fabricate a fire in my head i don't know I'm not remembering if I didn't I didn't watch it I didn't rewatch it recently. Oh my gosh, I hope I think what happened is that like I wanted the film to burn and <laughs> just did. And I just in I, your mind. I I watched this last night. I'm so confused. Well, whatever. She comes back to meet him while she's engaged to this other guy and they are about to get married and she thinks it's a good idea to go meet her old flame again. Um it's and fine. It's fi- it's fine, like harmless. She cheats on him, uh, um, Lon, with you know Noah, and as the audience, I think we're supposed to think this is romantic because they're meant to be together. But all I can think about is Lon was just such a nice guy in comparison to Noah. nice guys finished last. <laughs> no, let's not bring that here. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna rephrase. He's not a nice guy. He is uh, well suited for her. Yes, and not just because like. He has money and her parents approve. It's like they are genuinely in love. But she never had closure from her relationship with that wild boy, Noah. And then right after they have sex, they fight. Like, genuinely have a real fight. Because she says to Noah, well, I have to go back home. And Noah's like, are you really going to go back to him? And she's... The whole fight is, you know... Well, I'm married. I'm about to get married, and so I can't be with you. But it's not really cute as much as it is just kind of like, okay, these people are bad. Now they're not really sympathetic. But maybe that's just me. They're they're both in the wrong. Should we talk about the framing of this movie? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the entire time this, this A plot is happening, there's like a B plot. Because this is all kind of like, you know, in The Princess Bride, how at the beginning that the entire story is read through a book. It's like being read as a story. That's how this is being like performed. So there's an old man at the beginning of the movie. Now put on her thinking caps and let's let's I'm not gonna tell you who that old man is. Hmm. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you decide. Who could audience. he be? It's grandpa. <laughs> Don't look it up. Um but he's at a nursing home and he's volunteering to read to this old woman. Now we don't hear their names or anything. And the film will go to the flashback, well, not the flashback, the story reading of the A plot, and then suddenly back to the B plot in real time with the old man. And we find out the woman has dementia and she can't remember, like, her life very well. Okay, I'm gonna spoil it. I'm so sorry. Um, Whoa. I know, this is crazy. It's Noah. They aged. <laughs> and... He literally, he's not, he doesn't need to live in the nursing home, but, like, he lives with her so she doesn't have to be alone. That's kind of cute. Yeah, that's the real romance. Yeah, that's cute. I'm for that. They end up dying together, which is, like, how it ends on a, like, happy note because they're still in love. And she had this moment of clarity where she remembered him. Yeah. I liked these parts a lot more. Yeah. I mean, they were, like genuinely really heartbreaking more so than like we broke up for nearly a decade that one time um, right and it's fine but there is something that concerns me though because Mm -hmm. it's it's called the notebook because it's like her journal that he's reading out of because Mm -hmm. she wanted to be able to remember things he was she was like if i you know like if I start losing my mind, like, I want you to remind me of everything, so start reading to me. She wrote down, like, like in a journal, you write down the good and the bad. So you do write down, like, we had a fight and this happened. It's like, but there's a lot of bad in there as yeah. far as we didn't get along for quite a long time. Like, I'm sure there's, you know, the rest of their lives after they got together and like he was just going over you know their love story the first bit which is sometimes not as tumultuous as other times mm-hmm. but it just i don't know if i would want that story read to me <laughs> like no. even if it was my life you'd think he'd like skip some of the parts <laughs> like yeah. i, I think know. it would make me more confused as a very confused woman that might not know where she is at all times i mean just it is really touching that 
you know, they they die in each other's arms, which yeah. is super sad, but really indicative of the bond that they did have. This is what we meant earlier, like how this film is very similar to the Titanic. Um, <laughs> it's framed in the exact same way where Rose was telling her story about Leonardo DiCaprio's character. It's a little distracting now because we know yeah. like <laughs> and it's the princess and the pauper kind of thing like yeah she's rich he's poor he's <sighs> some kind of artisan because no one makes like furniture and stuff and refurbishes homes and other leo or yeah Leo Leonardo DiCaprio he was you know an artist draw me like one of your french girls etc <laughs> so did you like this movie more or less than the bell mm. I think I have to like it more, if mm-hmm. only for, like, historical context. Like, okay. again, I really liked the setting. I liked how it spanned over a long amount of time. I like that they were able to argue. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just, like, him getting mad and storming out or anything. Like, she yelled back at him. And I think as toxic as that can be... It still spoke to her having a lot of agency, whereas in The Vow, Rachel McAdams was kind of like, just like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm very sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. I think my reasoning for uh, preferring The Vow is simply that while The Notebook is absolutely the better made film, it looks better, it's shot better, everything aesthetically is better than The Vow. Um, even the script is better. It's just a better mm. movie. Um, the vow is so ridiculous that I can watch it and laugh. Whereas, after- <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Whereas, like the Notebook, after the first scene, that's just so ridiculous with him climbing on the carousel. I just feel like it's just really slow, and it's played completely straight. And there's a ton of sex scenes, probably like only two, but it felt like they lasted forever. Yeah. And I just I couldn't help but keep my interest. <laughs> I don't it's definitely the better film 100% (laughs) but yeah I don't think I can watch this one again yeah it's I just don't like the in either situation the framing of romance being defined by how hard is this guy going to come after Mm -hmm. you like I want to word it that way like come after you like yeah pursuing you it's a chase you're the prey in this situation and that's how it's viewed it's like scary yeah it's you know it's it's a very all or nothing situation and i don't think that's the way that you know a healthy romance should be i think each person has to do some pursuing and some back and forth and there's definitely in both of these movies a lot of moments where it's very questionable as to whether or not the woman wants to be pursued but because of the society that everything is framed in the default assumption is that women are wanting to be pursued and that's romantic yeah and i think it's very obvious because of all of that that these were made by men a lmao because they know what women want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently they do. Because it sells really well. I can't think of like any and this is this is just the the mistake of of again like the society that we live in that we don't have a lot of like recognizable female directors, but I can't think of any like romance films directed by women. I can't either off the top of my head. Hmm. Let's make a movie. let's do it let's do it it'll be really realistic and not at all creepy let's make it creepy let's make it super oh my gosh no (laughs) we just make it like to the letter like and he would never stop coming after her and eventually she just had to (laughs) deal with it see it'll be a brilliant satire there we go there we go (laughs) but you know what's super weird by the way about the notebook Mm. it it was going to be a tv series really yeah so Entertainment Weekly reported in 2015 that a show was in the works and it was going to be Nicholas Sparks was the slated to be the executive producer. The project was only canceled because they couldn't find another writer. Well, yeah, who's going to write that? What are you going to do? <laughs> but guess what it was going to air on? The CW. Yeah. Is it the CW? Yeah, you are you it. serious? Okay. I'm serious. I literally had no idea, but that sounds like a CW show. 
I knew you'd get it. They're going to add <laughs> murder in there for some reason because that's what the uh-huh. CW does. Like, oh my gosh. I'd watch that's it. That's crazy. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. I can't, I cannot imagine how like boring that would have been. So I think we all lucked out. Thank you. No one picking that up. <laughs> we really appreciate it. But we do. you know what? I am glad was written. The big sick. Yeah. No way. I love, I love that hesitation. Like that I, genuine hesitation. I, I was too cocky on the CW one and I got it right that time. But who knows the next time. But yeah, the big six is great. Yeah, this is where I think we can actually be positive and not just downers and trot on everyone's dreams. So the big sick came out in 2017. So it came out later than these other two films. It was directed by Michael Showalter, who also directed Wet Hot American Summer Series and The Baxter. And what's cool about this one is it was co-directed and a woman was involved. <gasps> no way. Women aren't allowed to be involved in romances. Whoa. Yeah, that's accurate. I don't know what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy so, ideas. It was written by Emily V. Gordon and Kamel Nanjiani, and it is based off of their real-life love story. So all of these are based off of real-life stories. This one doesn't feel weird, though. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's them both trying to t- like tell an accurate story about themselves, whereas it's the other ones were other people who didn't experience it, so they had to fill the gaps by making stuff up. Right. We're going to add some, some drama in here, I guess. Whereas this is like, there is a lot of drama, but it doesn't feel like melodrama. Yeah, so other people really like this movie as well. It won Best Comedy at the Critics' Choice Awards, and it was in the top 10 films of the year by the American Film Institute, and that's a pretty big deal. That's good. That's good. And Rotten Tomatoes says that it has a 98% critic rating and an 88% audience rating. So this is one of those instances where the critics like it more than the audience, but that doesn't say much because it's not too far off. It's only a ten percent difference. So yeah. this this did well. Yeah, I'm I'm remind me later about that ten percent discrepancy because I'm going to account for that with my my anecdote about watching it with my parents. I am very excited for this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Before that, let's get into what this movie is about. Do you want to take this one? I did the notebook. Yeah. Yeah. So the big sick is it's really it feels more now than any of these movies and i mean that's you know part of the reason why they they came out when they did but it's a very modern movie because it's about kumail who you might have known in like different uh comedy series and movies etc this is about his real start into comedy so he is at a comedy club he's performing he sometimes bombs a little bit but he's not bad and he gets a heckler and hecklers are terrible but this is okay because this is an actually adorable meet cute he gets heckled by his future spouse which i guess spoiler alert but this is the story about how they got together so you you knew this you yeah knew this. <laughs> um and so then from there they make the connection you know, they talk at the bar and he's like, you know, you, you really got to you get when you heckle someone, it's very rude. It's very terrible. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, I'm kidding, because, you know, I'm a comedian. It's a really funny movie. Bo Burnham's also in it, which I know not everyone's like super into Bo Burnham, but he I the character he plays is hilariously smarmy. Like, I hate him. And it's yeah. great. They click. So they're having what's assumed to be a one night stand. And it's all very, it's, I guess I keep using the word funny, but like they have a great rapport and she has a lot of agency and, you know, she's like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get home. And she goes to call an Uber driver and he's her Uber driver, which is the most modern thing I've ever seen in a movie. And I love it. Yeah, it <laughs> it's super relatable, but you know, even as they continually get together, they're always like, oh, well, this isn't like a relationship relationship. We're like having, you know, like one night stands, etc. Because, um, you know, she's like, I can't do this. I can't commit to a relationship. I'm, you know, a grad student. I'm doing all this stuff. But he's very charming. They click really well. So they do get together. But this is all in the backdrop of the fact that Kumail's Pakistani and his parents definitely have this expectation that he's going to marry a Pakistani woman and they are very not so subtly doing like matchmaking 
dinners. Like it's woman after woman. They come in with files, like with headshots so that he can like stash those away for later for him to consider if he wants to marry them. And he's not very communicative with his family other than like, they're like, when are you going to stop doing the comedy thing? And he's like, but I'm doing the comedy thing. So not, not the best relationship going there. Things are kind of rocky. But then things get rocky with Emily because she discovers the X-Files. She discovers <laughs> the the binders full of women, essentially. Yep. And that, that is not what you want to see in your boyfriend's uh, room. No, <laughs> no. Eventually, one of her roommates actually calls him and is like, hey, Emily's in the hospital. Will you go check on her? And you think like, oh, she got like pneumonia or something like that. Not very serious. Actually, he gets there and they had to put her in a medically induced coma. You know, Emily's parents, they're very concerned about her and you know she's she's in a coma and the doctors keep giving like they're like okay we're gonna check for this and it's probably that's all it is and it's gonna be over in like two days and then it's not so by the time that she wakes up he's had this whole tumultuous emotional journey with her parents and with himself and with his own family in figuring out what he wants to do he essentially gets disowned by his parents because he's like well, I love her and, you know, I want to be with her. And that's, you know, not done in that culture. And, oh, it's very, it's very emotional. But, you know, she doesn't, she didn't go through that. She was asleep. Mm -hmm. It eventually ends with he's going to move away. He gets to see her again, but it's still pretty awkward. But then he's in, he's in the big city. He's in the Big Apple and someone heckles him at his show guess who who ray Rachel romano McAdams? oh no <laughs> dang it we both went <laughs> for it no it's emily there's definitely an interesting illusion to be made here between the vow and this film because in the vow rachel mcadams goes into a coma and she can't remember her husband in this one she goes into a coma and you know, she. it's not that she lost her memory. It's that the only, the last memory she has is of, you know, them breaking up and it being a bad situation. But for him, it's just not the case. So, like, it, it's it's similar in that, like, I don't know. It's, like, the, from, the like, the boyfriend or husband's perspective, uh, there's this whole relationship that the other one is, like, unaware of. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Like, he even, um, at one point, he does do the, like over romantic gesture and he like tries mm -hmm. to do like this kind of comedy presentation about you know like him realizing his feelings for her and you know she's just like I don't know what to tell you like I've been asleep for weeks yeah. and I don't know what kind of journey you went on but I wasn't on it and I can't relate right now I need time and he respects that yeah I also thought it was cool that um, after the initial rejection, after she wakes up, of course, that she actually goes to him and it's insinuated she was trying to like spark the relationship back up. But at this point, he was ready to move on with his life and go to New York. So they don't get back together, even though she's indicated that that is what she wants at that point. So it's cool to see, too, that the characters aren't like halting their lives just for love. Yeah. Because that's kind of the implication with a lot of romances. You know, happily ever after, we don't know what happens next. We assume that there's no more conflict in someone's life when in actuality, you know, stuff moves on. We keep going. And honestly, it makes that the, uh, the fact that they do get back together later, like, more powerful because we see, like, life is a real obstacle. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And in this case, it did. And that's cruel. It's cool. It feels natural, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. It doesn't yeah. feel like f forced at all. I really like that the chemistry between these characters, it, it feels real when they're together. It feels like they're in love. And when they fight, it feels like they're both fighting and one of, like they're sad about it. And you can feel that she feels betrayed. And so it feels like they have a real journey together, even though she's like asleep for most of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate, too, that even though at the end her parents did really like Kumail, that they yeah. weren't like, you have to get back together with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have seen all the things he d- he has done for you. Like, they definitely, like, spoke to, like, you know, the the effort that they saw and the change that they saw in him. But it was still ultimately her decision. Yeah. I think out of the three films, this is the true example of a romantic comedy. Um, mm-hmm. It it would not be successful if it wasn't for the awkward humor. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it would it would just be awkward without the humor, for sure. Um, and it, it really helped to propel it forward without it being like melodramatic because like as soon as you throw a coma into anything, you're you're getting toward melodrama. And I understand this was like based on real events but still (laughs) yeah but still yeah no it's completely true and i think this film succeeds because it is a comedy Mm -hmm. as well as a romance the other two are definitely like they're dramas more so than like they're not comedies they're dramas and i think what makes this film stand out is that because it has the comedy along with it um it, it doesn't have to just be about the romance. Uh, like, for example, yeah. a lot of the journey is Camille bonding with the parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, I don't think that the other two films work on just being a romance. I think it re- they really needed another genre to kind of, like, level out the boringness, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about a lot of romantic dramas like it's very isolated it's just about the two characters that are falling in love or you know having an issue whereas in this you know it was all the people that were important in their lives which you know i think those people get involved when you know whether you like it or not when people fall in love there's still mm-hmm. that you know support system and that's that's what i also really liked is that emily did have like a support system and friends and motivations and that she yeah. wasn't like this inert object that had to wait until someone was like pursuing her because yeah. that's that's usually the message i kind of get yeah. from romances is that you know women are these very inert objects that you know, whoever pursues you the hardest and, you know, doesn't give up, that's the person that you should be with. Not necessarily and because they love you the most, but they put forth the most effort. And, you know, the, in other words, those people are stalkers. <laughs> I love the whisper on that one because it's scary. Um, Yeah, I think it is such a harmful message for women. I understand there's some escapism to it, Uh and that's a hard topic i mean most women i think that would like all these movies aren't going to say like in real life they wouldn't want a man to do these things um so it's i don't want to criticize people that like these things but the fact is that we have more of these types of movies that do idealize that the male pursuing in an unhealthy way than not the big sick is unique because well it it's he's not really creepy he's just a guy and they have chemistry yeah i i definitely think that you know movies don't necessarily have to be like super realistic they can be you know escapist but that doesn't mean that you can't like respect the agency of another person look you have to have a personality outside of the person you're being with and you can't be obsessed like, if you, if you like, climb in someone's window and follow them around and harass them, you're obsessed, and that's not cute. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Let's not and it, romanticize that. And you know what? Like, the fact that we have all these movies is really troubling because young men see these things and it becomes normalized, and young boys might genuinely grow up thinking, like, oh, this is what girls want because we see it in the media all the time. It's just... It's such a gross cycle, and we really need to start breaking it. So thank you, The Big Sick. Yay, The Big Sick. Yay. Everyone I want to hear your story. My story? Oh, yes, my yeah. parents. Okay, so we we see that this has gotten fantastic reviews. 
Um, mm-hmm. But that there is that 10% discrepancy between um, audience ratings and critics ratings. And I'm wondering if that 10% is like older folks because I watched it with my parents and they're in their, you know, 50s and they were like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't think it's very romantic Hmm. or funny. And you said that this was a romantic comedy. There's definitely jokes that I see like being weird or it was, it was admittedly kind of weird after I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I remembered that you know, there's sex scenes, etc., and I was like sitting with my parents <laughs> watching this. But, oh no! But at the same time, they found the whole plot of like Kumail figuring out, you know, like what he really wanted and what he wanted to prioritize, and like him bonding with the parents. Like they were like, that's not like very romantic. Like he's hanging out with mom and dad. I might have set it up wrong for them, or. They just had very different expectations out of a romance than what the big sick gave them. Uh, I think what worked for me and allowed me to like this film is that the romance was established very quickly and in a way that I thought was compelling. So I didn't feel like they needed all these like intense making out scenes or like sex scenes or even interactions because it just felt natural, like the Mm. natural narrative. I don't know, but I can definitely see this is not normal in the genre at all yeah yeah like the last like romance movie i had watched with my parents is like oh gosh something with sandra bullock i'm sure usually (laughs) it's sandra bullock that's a very specific genre in my household but you know a traditional you know boy meets girl girl meets boy he pursues her etc yeah hmm I'm glad that this one's different, though. Yes, yes. You know how else I... it's different? Hmm. It's oh, diverse. No. Hey, it's not white <laughs> people embracing. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm so tired of seeing white people. I can't stand it. That's, uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing that I feel like romances feel very segregated. Yep. There's very rarely mixed race couples mm-hmm. and hmm hmm i've noticed a whole new problem with this genre <laughs> i can't even think of major like romance movies with non-white couples just without a white person having to be in the relationship huh oh my gosh <laughs> What is this? I have, yeah, there's a lot of intersectional problems with the romance genre. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up here, but this could be a whole nother episode is an issue that I <laughs> have two. with. I'm really glad that there's been more, you know, gay romance movies. Oh, yeah. But why are so many of them much older man, much younger young man? Hmm. 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 Well, again, that's a topic for another day, but that's... it makes me upset. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me super upset. You know, I am going to ask one more question of you. So, yes. the first two movies are definitely more in line with the romantic uh, drama, right? Mm. This one is romantic comedy. And obviously, one movie does not speak for an entire genre. But why do you think this one, like, it just works more? So do you prefer the romantic comedy or are you fine with just like a straight romance movie? I might, mm, I might actually have to say that dramas I'll often prefer because romantic comedies can so often be really hit or miss with the humor. Sometimes it can be very based in, haha gender stuff or like very stereotypical things that aren't really funny anymore or weird situations very unfortunate situations i guess Um, date movie comes to mind for some reason date movie yep yep awful movie yep um like all of love actually Yes. Like all of it. Hate it. All of it was, there's a lot of situations in there, which is like 
supposed to be charming, but it's like, that's really problematic. So yeah, I'll, I'll have to lean more toward straight romance drama or romance, etc. Hmm, that's interesting. So what did this movie do differently that made you like it just on the whole more? Is it just outside of just like, the this movie happens to be funny. Like as a romance, what does this do better that isn't problematic? Everyone has agency. It, you know, it's two people in a relationship versus one person really trying to be in a relationship and the other one kind of passively sitting by. Um, even though it could very easily be that way because she's literally in a coma, so she can't do anything but be passive in a significant part of the movie. Um, it just feels real. Like, and it is real. It it does every it does everyone justice. Like no one feels like they're being taken advantage of. Whereas I feel like in the previous two movies that we spoke about someone's getting the short end of the stick here or being coerced yeah that's a really great answer i 100 percent agree with you and you know what i recommend you watch this movie and maybe skip the other two i don't know that's just my personal preference i don't even see really the point of watching uh the vow at all really the notebook because it was popular maybe but you should watch the big sick watch the big yeah. sick all right well do you have any closing thoughts oh man um Respect women. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Romance. I know. Romance genre. You're going to try. I mean, it's your main audience. So maybe, just maybe, okay. try respecting women. Look, I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, so I'm going to need you to stop because okay, that's really it. controversial. I'll tone it down. <laughs> I won't ask anyone to respect women anymore. <laughs> Please respect women on a serious note. Please do it. <laughs> All right. Well... It has been a lot of fun having you daily. So thank you so it's much for being so on this fun. episode. Come back again because we love you and we miss you. I mean, you can't stop me. I will. I'm going to pursue you now. Clearly, we can't really get rid of her. I, no. I'm actually being held hostage. Yeah, it's very romantic because you know I'm I'm pursuing <laughs> her and she's not into it. Nice. Full circle. All right. <laughs> well, this has been Input 2, and I have been your host, Emily Rubin. Be sure to follow us on theballstatedaily.com and bytebsu.com, our own website. You can follow us at bytebsu on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you know what? You can even watch us on YouTube because we do stuff on YouTube. Daily, where can people find you? Oh, gosh. You can find me on Twitter at Wavelength, which I'm going to keep that forever. It's my bite souvenir. And I also write over at SVG.com. Um, if you really like my voice, then you can find me every week over at TerraceHousePodcast.com, where I talk about uh, more realistic romances because it's literally people very awkwardly getting together on the show Terrace House. Yeah, so be sure to check her out because she's amazing. And be sure to tune in next week to Input 2 because it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and have a happy Valentine's Day. I yes. guess I should throw that in somewhere. Eat some chocolate. <laughs> Eat some chocolate and treat yourself and have agency. Yay, agency. <laughs>